of all wisdom, you have promised to speak to us through your living word. So now, as the scripture is read, and Pastor Sherry preaches your word, open our ears and hearts to hear your voice. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12 through 24. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, beloved, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What was the Apostle Paul thinking? Didn't he realize that when you use the word always or never, people resist, people get mad, people at least think you're insensitive. You should never use the word always. Most of us would want to adjust Paul's words to qualify his to-do list. Maybe we wish Paul would have said, in some circumstances or in some things. That would be more acceptable, more human, more humane. But be joyful and give thanks in every circumstance? That doesn't sound like my world. I don't know about yours. But Paul does not qualify the circumstances. He means all. He means rejoice always and pray without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. Has he asked, has Paul asked his church to do the impossible as they face great persecution and distress as they were at the time he wrote this letter? Can a person face a fresh set of abuses every day and give thanks? Can someone who has just lost their job really be expected to give thanks this Thursday? Can someone who has had their heart ripped out from the loss of a child or another loved one really be joyful? You must be kidding. 
But Paul does not qualify the circumstances. But his words to the church are based on two important truths. Because of these two truths, he would say that it is possible and necessary to give thanks in everything. The first truth is that the worship of God is the context for all of life, not just the part we devote to God during our time in worship together on Sunday mornings. In theologian Karl Rayner's words, everyday life must become itself our prayer. Every day of life must become in itself our prayer. That is why Paul, who himself faced loss and beatings and persecution and prison, could still somehow say, give thanks to God in all circumstances. For no one could take away his choice to worship. No one could stop him from offering words of prayer and thanksgiving. So the joy and thanks that Paul is talking about is based on his decision and awareness that all of life is an act of worship. The second foundational truth that Paul embraces is his understanding that we must look beneath the surface of the circumstances of our lives in order to be able to rest in the knowledge and certainty of God's presence and God's love. Theologian Paul Tillich speaks of the depth of existence as the ground of our historical life, the ultimate depth of history. He says that we are not called to reside near the shallow waters where thoughts are restricted to appearances near the shore. Yet most of us live near those shallow waters, and we judge our lives by what is visible on the shore, by what we experience, by our circumstances, the good and the bad things that happen to us. Both Paul Tillich and Paul the Apostles challenge to us, and believe me, most of this time this is very difficult for me, but their challenge to us is to move out to a depth in which there are weightier truths that make it possible for us to rejoice always and pray without ceasing and give thanks in all circumstances. Today is Christ the King Sunday, and this is the day we remember that the one who suffered and died on the cross for us in human flesh like ours was raised and reigns with God and has given each of us the ultimate reality that we too will one day be victorious over all of the pain and the sorrow and the power of evil that may be the day-to-day -day reality we live with now. Whenever we celebrate a baptism, we acknowledge that whatever else may happen in this person's, in this little baby's life, we know that God's love has embraced them and that the Spirit of Christ the King has sealed their hearts in God's redeeming grace which is offered to all people. There are, in my opinion, no deeper waters of truth than these waters 
of baptism. At the moment of baptism, we are immersed in the most powerful, liberating, life-defining truth in all the world. That might explain the sense of mysteriously deep joy a parent feels when they see their baby baptized, or an adult experiences when the waters of baptism fall over them. For it is a moment when we acknowledge that our lives are not our own. In moments like these, I'm reminded that it is, it is possible to at least rejoice sometimes at that level of deep joy Paul is suggesting that we rest in day and night. Paul is not saying that we should be happy all the time. A friend of mine calls people who are happy all the time bliss ninnies. Now, happiness may be a consequence of joy, but happiness alone is not joy, and we must not confuse the two. Joy is from the Greek word kara, which means calm delight, contentment, and gladness, and is something much deeper than happiness. In Greek, joy comes from the same root as the word grace, charis in Greek. Our whole fall sermon series has been focused upon our calling to be good stewards of that grace upon grace which God has given to us. And when we are aware of all that God has given us, as we've looked each Sunday this fall, our lives, this amazing planet, the communion of saints, the gift of time, talent, and treasure, the gift of prayer, the gift of freedom. When we celebrate these blessings and are aware deeply of their, uh, their giftedness from God, we're able to brush against that place of deep and abiding joy Paul is writing about today. The root of happiness is the word is hap, meaning chance, as in happenstance or haphazard. Happiness, literally, depends on things going our way, whereas joy is based on the knowledge of the presence of God with us at all times, from the very beginning of time. Joy is something we can possess even when things are not going our way, even in the midst of grief and sadness. As Barbara Brown Taylor has written, the only condition for joy is the presence of God. Joy happens when God is present and people know it, which means that it can erupt in a depressed economy, in the middle of a war, or in an intensive care waiting room. Happiness requires positive conditions, though. Good health, right relationships, a good job, shelter, food, clothing. Joy, on the other hand, can be found even when these other conditions do not exist. As Frederick Buechner writes, God created us in joy and created us for joy. And in the long run, not all the darkness there is in the world and in ourselves can separate us finally from that joy.
whatever else it means to say that we are created in God's image, I think it means even when we cannot believe in God, even when we feel most spiritually bankrupt and deserted, God's mark is deep within us. We have God's joy in our blood, right speaker. We have God's joy in our blood. Understanding that, I think, is understanding what it means to live with worship as the context for all of life. Understanding that reminds us that because of the depths of love and truth in these baptismal waters, we are united and supported and empowered by the Holy Spirit to live and move in the powerful depths of God's love. Paul tells us to immerse our lives in thanksgiving, to give thanks in all circumstances. Paul is not saying that we are to give thanks for all circumstances. This is an important distinction. Like joy, our thankfulness is to be anchored to our relationship in Christ rather than to the circumstances of life. My heart may be broken by the circumstances of life. Nevertheless, God's joy is in my blood. And even though I may not be aware of its nourishment in the moment, it sustains me and holds me gently through the worst of times. Most of us know what it means to be thankful when we have a therefore in our lives. Life has been good this year, therefore I will give thanks to God. Business has been good this year, therefore I am grateful. My biopsy was negative, therefore I am thankful to God. Gratitude comes more easily when our lives are in order, when the bills are paid and the children are behaving and our health is good. But what happens to gratitude when times are tough? I know that some of you or your loved ones have had serious accidents this year that have changed your lives. I know that some of you have had a diagnosis of illness that is very difficult, life-changing. Some of you have suffered the loss of loved ones and faced the pain of this season without them. And some of you have lost jobs and are in the process now of reorganizing your whole life. And I would imagine that the idea of being filled with thanksgiving this week is going to be a challenge for some of you. My words to you today are to remember that deep joy and gratitude do not come from the therefores in life. They flow out of the nevertheless. Life has brought me to my knees this year. Nevertheless, God's joy is in my blood. And even though I may not be aware of its nourishment in the moment, remember, it sustains me and holds me gently through the worst of times. You may say, I have known great loss this year. Nevertheless, 
I am thankful for the deeper truths that I can only partially see in this life. This year, some of you are giving thanks out of a therefore. Life has been pretty good and you are thankful to God. And some of you this week will be giving thanks out of a nevertheless. Life has dealt some harsh blows. Nevertheless, you are thankful to God. Friends, whether you are entering this Thanksgiving week from a therefore or a nevertheless perspective, know this. God created you in joy and created you for joy. And in the long run, not all the darkness there is in this world or in you can separate you finally from that deep, deep God-given joy that flows in your blood even when you are least aware of it. Let us bow our hearts in thanksgiving. Make us thankful people, O oh God. Shape us, mold us into your people of thanksgiving. Make us more aware of God's joy and the depths of God's love and truth flowing in us and all around us. And when we run out of the therefores to be thankful for, may the nevertheless of your eternal love keep us faithful to the end. We ask this in the name of the one who lives and reigns with you in the power of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. As thankful people, let us share what is ours to give in service to Christ and in love for others. The ushers will come forward to receive our offering.
Jesus, heavenly King, we offer these our gifts and pledges as a sign of love, devotion, and praise. Through these and through the living of our lives, we acknowledge that you are our Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs> 